Hello everyone and welcome. My name is Rachel. And I'm Andrew. We are Picture the Scene podcast, a true crime podcast aiming to put you, the listener, at the scene of the crime. We bring you a new episode on a weekly basis, with Andrew mainly focusing on lesser known crimes from the UK and Ireland, and me taking on some of the bigger, well-known cases from time to time. As we are a true crime podcast, we must warn you that listener caution is advised. And you guessed it, guys, this episode is no different. In fact, it comes with a bit of a trigger warning. Um, we will be covering child neglect and child abuse as to part of today's episode. But I will give you a, a little warning before we go into like the further detail around the case, um, in case you want to listen to the overall episode, but skip past the really horrible parts. Well, if you happen to like what you hear, please do follow us on whatever social media platform you prefer. And wherever you listen, if you have the capability, then why not give us a rating and review as well? These reviews and these ratings really do mean so much to us because not only do we love hearing from our wonderful listeners, but it encourages other listeners to find us and come give us a try as well. So thank you as always from the bottom of our hearts. And we also love it when we hear um, from you all with our with your feedback, regardless of what that looks like. We we take all feedback on board. It's all always good for us to understand uh, what grinds your gears and what you like about us. And if you like us that much, so you really want to support us, you can now do so for less than a cost of a small americano on patreon with our tiers starting as low as one pound we release bonus content every month and we also take recommendations from patreon subscribers supporting our pod also means the world to us so thank you to each and every one of you and with this in mind can we please raise a glass and welcome our latest patreon andrea lindenberg we hope you love the back catalog and we look forward to chatting to you in future andrea and Andrea, along with all of our current Patreon subscribers, will be able to join us uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks, I think I can say now, for our live episode and our merch giveaway, uh, which is really exciting. Yeah, it's scary, but exciting. Yeah, yeah, I agree on both fronts. Uh, but yeah, if you want to know more about that, uh, we will be coming out on our socials with more information. Um, and yeah, we're really looking forward to doing our very first live with our Patreon subscribers. On one, one part of our merchandise is actually arriving, according to DPD, as we record. <gasps> so obviously I'm going to work my magic editing, but it's actually going to arrive while we're recording today. Happy days, exciting. Exciting. And finally, for now, the links to our social medias and Patreon can be found in the show notes or by visiting patreon.com forward slash scenepod. That's P A T R E O N.com forward slash S C E N E P O D. So, Andrew, before we get into it today, how have you been since we last recorded? I've been sparkling, Rachel. Yay. Yeah, indeed. How have you been, Rachel? Oh, I just had to remind him to ask me about me. That's sorry statement first, isn't it? <laughs> sorry. I'm good, thanks, Andrew. Thanks for asking. I uh, we have we have some news to share, don't we, to our lovely listeners? Well, you have some news to share. I don't want to add rumor to call to the fire. <laughs> I say we have news to share, but you do, yeah. Yeah, I have some news to share, but that we as a podcast will share with everyone. That yeah, I am currently pregnant, uh, which is exciting. Um. At the time of recording, I'm four months, but at the time of release, it'll be five. Uh, so yeah, uh, a little uh, baby is due on the horizon in December this year, which is is really cool. But fear not, listeners, we will not be adjusting our recording or our formatting. Um, whilst Andrew will probably have to take on a couple more scripts in the early days, uh, we will be recording and releasing as usual as a duo 
uh, throughout, which is is really exciting. And I think it'll give me um, something to look forward to um, whilst I'm, uh, you know, in the deep, dark depths of the newborn and early stages of um, of, of having a baby. Yeah, so it's great to add to the picture the scene family. Absolutely. Although um, he or she will not become a Patreon subscriber, as you uh, suggested to our Patreon listeners the other week. No, unfortunately not, no. Okay. Um, well, all that's left for me to ask now that we've shared our exciting news and done all of our regular stuff is, are you ready for some true crime, Andrew? I've been waiting for this. Yes. Okay. Well, if it's safe for you to do so, I'd like you to sit back, relax and picture the scene. Today I'm taking you to Sarn, a picturesque village located in the county borough of Bridgend, South Wales, home to approximately 2,500 residents. It's early morning on Saturday the 31st of July, 2021, with the sun rising at 5.35am and the weather a calm 14 degrees Celsius, it's around 57.2 degrees Fahrenheit, which is lush for an early morning in the middle of summer. On this bright and promising morning, just 11 minutes after sunrise, at 5.46am to be precise, a local resident and mother makes this frantic 999 call. Please, 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 please. Where are you? My son's not here. My boy's coming. Not here. Take a breath. Take a breath. I can't understand when you're crying. Where are you? Five. Lower Lancel Freddy's a song. Lower what? Sorry. Lower Lancel Freddy's a song. Said somebody is not here. Who's not there? My son, he's alive. He's not here. Okay, take a breath. When did you see him last? I said he was in bed last night and I've just got up for my son and he's the other one's not here. Logan! Uh, take a breath. He's five and he's gone. Can you see any Logan! Logan! I need, I need you to speak to me, not just shout. I know it's really full on and it's really scary. What's his name? Is his name Logan? Logan, Logan Williams. Okay. And he's five. Is he five, did you say? He's five, please. Okay. Tell me what he looks like, please. He's a little mixed race boy. He's just got his spidey pajamas on. Logan Mwangi was born on the 15th of March 2016 in the Princess of Wales Hospital, Bridgend, South Wales, to 25-year-old Angara Williamson, who we just heard there on the call, and Benjamin Mwangi. The pair had originally met in Essex, where Angerad had worked part-time as a manager in the Carphone warehouse. But following a number of seizures during her pregnancy, due to her already diagnosed epilepsy, the pair decided to relocate to Wales shortly before Logan's birth, so Angerad could be closer to her mum. However, the pair separated shortly after Logan's birth, with his mother, Angerad, taking custody of Logan, whilst his birth father, of Kenyan descent, returned to his hometown in Brentwood, Essex. Shortly after Benjamin left, Angerad went on to meet and marry a soldier who was based at the nearby barracks. But the marriage broke down not long after, and the pair divorced. For the first three years of little Logan's life, Angerad and Benjamin had been co-parenting, which worked out well for the pair. However, she had decided to cut off contact with her ex-partner and Logan's father after beginning a relationship with someone new in early 2019, a man by the name of John Cole. Not long after Cole appeared on the scene, everything completely changed for Logan's father, Benjamin. John had accused the pair of talking too much, despite the fact it was only ever about their son. And shortly after, the relationship between the parents fell apart, meaning Logan would never see his father again. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, despite the lack of contact when Logan was at his mum's, his dad did continue to have occasional telephone calls with Logan when the little boy visited his grandma. 
That was Angarad's mum. But the visits to his grandma would soon also be stopped by Angarad. And as a result, so did Benjamin's telephone contact with his son. So that was it, completely cut off. Just two years later, on Saturday, the 31st of July, 2021, Benjamin Mwangi received a call from the police whilst at work at some time between 2 and 2.30pm in the afternoon. Not long before this visit, he'd actually taken a phone call from his brother. He couldn't make much sense of it as his brother seemed quite erratic. The only information he could glean was that the police were on their way and he would speak to his brother soon. Benjamin thought it must be something to do with his father, who'd been quite unwell at the time. However, upon arrival, police confirmed it was not his father. They were there to notify Benjamin that Logan Mwangai, his five-year-old son, had been found dead. Oh, wow. So you're probably thinking, what on earth had happened uh, to to this little boy who was once upon a time a happy, smiley, and cheeky five-year-old? Was it the stepdad or the mom? Jumping straight in there, aren't you? Sorry. No, it's fine. I will go on to to let you know, but uh, your spidey senses are correct. Shortly after Angered Williams met John Cole, the pair started living together. They were described by neighbours as strict parents who took a punitive approach to disciplining Logan, including forcing him to spend extended periods of time in push-up positions and preventing him from participating in family meals and takeaway nights. I actually read one report which referenced that whilst the pair would enjoy their dinner, they would make Logan stand outside in the garden. What, just as a punishment or just a yep. standard? Yep. They, uh, he would stand out in the garden and watch them eat. Like, how, old, how old is he? Like five? Yep, yep. Five-year-old, so, come on. Yeah, John Cole was on the scene from Logan, age three to age five. I know, but come on, a, a child that young. I mean, you shouldn't do that to any child, but... And push-up positions as well, like their, yeah. their bodies, their muscles, their bones, you know, none of them have formed properly. They shouldn't even be doing, like, rigorous exercise you know how's a child supposed to know that age like yeah i don't know there was actually an occasion on record as well where logan was deliberately burnt but um i'll pause that and and go into it a bit further down the line a lot of this behavior was encouraged by cole who was a former member of the national front so obviously i mentioned earlier that um benjamin mwanga logan's father was from Kenyan uh, or of Kenyan descent apologies so obviously the National Front is a very nasty band organization who have crazy beliefs and um, this was probably why Cole took such a disliking to um, the the five-year-old boy um, because of his horrible awful beliefs but with a history of violent offenses and also a history of manipulating his partners and some professionals he came into contact with uh, he was overall just a really nasty piece of work. In addition to this, he had an extensive criminal history, including convictions for assault on a child, possession of an, of an offensive weapon, domestic abuse, theft, drug possession, and burglary. Just wonderful. What a nice one. Sounds like a horrible individual. And you didn't even have to read all those out. If you're willing to become a, a member of the National Front, then, then I think that says, says it all, yeah. And why... Why would you? I mean, for those outside of the UK, the National Front is like a horrible, horrible racist organisation. I got actually is banned now as a political party in the UK. But if you're a member of that, why would you go and date someone who obviously isn't racist because she has a partner with someone who isn't white? Crazy, isn't it? A poor child. Oh, I know, I know. And it's, you know, like, how often do we hear, like, people are judge 
for the color of their skin, which is completely beyond their, you know, their, like, they have no choice, right? Yeah. Born how you're born. And uh, yeah, for this for this nasty piece of work to take such a dislike into such a young boy, like, like he's so helpless and innocent in this situation. Like, you know, it's just awful. It is awful. Nearly a year after the pair moved in together and following a number of visits to hospitals and doctors with fractures, broken limbs, bruises and cuts, all of which were explained away by household accidents. It was March 2020 and the COVID-19 pandemic hit. And as a result, Logan's health condition drastically declined. He would later start school that year in September with a stammer, incontinence issues, and a noticeably unhealthy appearance, which was a major concern for his teachers and those around him. But it wasn't until early 2021 that Logan was finally placed on the Child Protection Register under the dual categories of physical harm and emotional abuse. As a result, social workers would visit the family home once every 10 days to complete checks. She sounded distraught in the 999 call. Is that just all fake? I don't want to get ahead, so tell me to buy my own, but is that just um, all fake then? Well, you know, that's um, that's something we'll go on to uncover. But I'd definitely put a pin in that and, and come okay. back to her behaviour. Yeah. However, by May 2021, Logan was moved from the Child Protection Register to the Child in Need Register. So that's like one tier down. Uh, and it resulted in far less visits and monitoring from social workers. Why? What was the what was the reasoning behind this? So the reasoning was never like documented officially for us to know, but um, it was a it it was like well kind of covered that they'd gone through like the checklist and the register and and I guess some sort of matrix to make their decision. Um, but unfortunately, when Logan was placed on that child protection register and then downgraded to the child in need register, at neither point. Did that team of individuals, you know, that would for, inf- be informed, like social workers um, and local like representatives um, and, you know, medical experts as well. They all collectively agreed um, that because Logan was in Angered's custody full time, that Logan's father, Benjamin, didn't have a right to know. He was never known. It's disgraceful, isn't it? It's not like he's ever, he's never... Correct me if I'm wrong, actually. I'm assuming he's never been in trouble for any type of child abuse or anything like that. It sounds like he was a good parent. So, no, Benjamin was never um, had any past criminal convictions. Angerad, on the other hand, had criminal convictions, but they were like like petty theft from her from her own mum, actually, and grand theft auto, again, from her, her mum. But the, the fact that he was willing to have joint custody up until he was told that he can't, to me, shows that he's a parent that wanted to be a part of his son's life. Absolutely, and and in fact, he has since since Logan's death, he's championed to have the process changed so that other parties, so not necessarily fathers but mothers, where the father has full custody, are informed of major decisions that are made on on the well being of a child. You know, if they're named on the birth certificate, they deserve to 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 know and be notified. Exactly. So despite the fact that in the following months, so the months after he was moved down and downgraded to child in need and the run up to his murder, Logan suffered a further broken arm, a broken collarbone and a burn wound to his neck from his mother. So I'd mentioned that earlier. His mother had pressed a scalding hot teaspoon straight from her coffee cup to his skin. 
So the movie's just as bad. Was his mother like this before? Or is it influenced from John Coles? There is no record of her and her behaviour being like this before. And, and the dad the dad would have noticed, wouldn't he? Because he had joint custody, so... And obviously the grandma, her visits were cut from the boy after Cole came on the scene. You know, it, it would appear to me that she moved from being a very wholesome, like, family woman, single parent who who cared for her son and her family to, you know, being warped and and in a potentially coercive controlling relationship, but definitely, you know, had her own nasty streak, which was uncovered in in actions like this. The reason why doctors um, didn't think twice was she had an excuse every time the pair of them did. Like that scalding teaspoon on the neck was passed off that he touched the the scalding hot bath tap when he was like getting out of the bath and, you know, the tap had been running. So, so yeah, it just, you know, been an unfortunate event. Yeah, it doesn't sound so far like she's a very nice person, but also it sounds like he's been a typical abuser, the father, but not the father, the uh, John Cole, the stepdad by isolating the mum from the dad, from the baby's father and from her own family. Mm. Sounds like that's typical behaviour, isn't it? Isolate so you can control. Yeah, absolutely. And because none of these injuries that occurred following the downgrade to the child in need register, because none of them raised significant alarm bells with doctors, the doctors then didn't notify the local authorities. But had they done so, Logan would have been moved back onto the child protection register and as a result could have been alive today, which is just really awful and heartbreaking to to think of. And, you know, brings me to the point, how often do we hear of this in the UK? Uh, another case where a little boy could have been saved, had social services, had a more like watchful eye on the family and had their treatment and care for this poor helpless five-year-old boy been like better. Do you know what makes me think? Like we spoke a couple of episodes ago I'm not sure if it was a patron or a normal one, but we spoke about the fact that in the UK, when you go for um, a, a records check, you know, when you're applying for a job and stuff, yeah, when, yeah. when you go in for an enhanced one, it shows things which are against you on your file, even if you've yeah. not ever been arrested for anything. Yeah. And you'd think it'd be the same if this kid's got yeah. to a point where he's been at danger, then it should be automatic that anything recorded from... A medical professional automatically gets updated because if it's if it's an accident, it doesn't really matter if it's been on there or not, does it? But it's yeah. also it it adds it helps add to that history, doesn't it? It helps add to that context. Well, I initially thought Logan would have been removed from the family home whilst an investigation was was conducted, but then I wonder whether because of COVID and obviously yeah. we're talking like this is April, May, June time of twenty one, like right in the depths of like lockdowns and 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 opening up of of facilities again would he have got lost in the cracks through through that and you know during lockdown measures was it best to keep families together and monitor through these 10 day visits was that enough like yeah it's probably it though it's a sad sad side effect of covid i imagine them yeah and if you know as well that somebody's going to be there every 10 days you can put a jolly nice face on can't you and you know yeah and you can also threaten a little boy to behave himself and not say anything to a social worker. Yeah, if you're doing, if you're physically hurting that child and also emotionally abusing them, 
it's not going to take much for you to say, for you to get them to act however you want them to act when the war comes around. Yeah, well, believe it or not, things took a greater turn for the worse um, in, in July. So on the 18th of July, 2021, just 13 days before Logan will be found dead in the water, John Cole's 13-year-old stepson, whom he had shared with a previous partner who had recently been sectioned under the Mental Health Act, moved into the family home in San. Cole had surprisingly been granted full custody of Craig Mulligan on a permanent basis, which, to your point, is wild given his past convictions of, yeah. of like, child abuse, to then be given like full custody just because his birth mother is has been sectioned. Next best option is his stepdad, who's got a criminal record. Like, not, me, just a, not just a criminal, because you can have a criminal record and, and still change your life around, but a criminal record for abusing attacking children yeah yeah well actually craig was also already known to authorities and was known to have mental health issues he had been described as aggressive by foster families he had stayed with whilst cole battled for custody and i say foster families because that's plural like during the custody hearing where cole took craig on he'd been moved around because he was an unruly child like who had like really aggressive and quite nasty beliefs similar to his father well, it's no surprise, that is it? Well, alarmingly also, Craig had previously expressed a desire to harm and even kill Logan, but none of it was referenced on record at the time he entered the family home. So, like, social services didn't know um, his hatred towards his, um, what would that be, like, half-brother? Yeah. Um, but not through marriage officially, because John and Angrad were not married. But, like, you know, that wasn't documented anywhere. and. It's just another person being injected into that family home um, with the same beliefs as his father that's going to cause, like, Logan an untold amount of pain. Just three days later, on the 21st of July, 2021, Logan tested positive for COVID-19 and would go on to spend his 10-day isolation period alone in his room. And only 10 days later, the little boy who should have been celebrating his freedom was discovered in the River Ogmore in Pandy Park, Bridgend, on the morning of the... 31st of July. I'm sad. I tell you, though, that as strange as this may sound, those 10 days of isolation might have been a bit blissful for him because it maybe stopped some abuse towards him. Obviously, it's not good a child to be isolated, but surely it's better for a child to be isolated than a child to be mentally or physically abused. Well, you know, that really shows, like, the innocence in your thinking there, Andrew, because actually he was tortured those 10 days that he was in his room um like rationed food he was forced to face walls like no interaction but i'll I'll go on to to explain a little bit more about that i don't like stories like this Rachel. no i'm sorry um yeah once i started this there was a there was a a moment where i could have just stopped but i feel like people need to to hear yeah. You know, these cases and there's like a you know knowledge and and what what happens to people and children you know it's, it's one of the reasons why we do these these podcasts isn't it to, yeah, to spread course, awareness yeah. but uh yeah particularly hard this case um logan had been dumped there by cole and his stepson craig in the middle of the night after suffering what pathologists would describe as catastrophic internal and external injuries likened to those suffered by people in high-speed road accidents after logan's body was discarded in the river the household initially denied any knowledge of his death but it didn't take long to uncover what happened that night 
So here's the trigger warning. Um, I'm about to go into quite a bit of detail about Logan's injuries, which were obviously detailed as part of the trial. Um, and like what I would say is for you to tune out now, maybe skip on. Um, I, I think maybe about five minutes. It really depends how much that Andrew and I talk throughout this. Um, but yeah, if you'd rather not not hear the the gruesome detail, then this is the part where you definitely fast forward, guys. I'll pop in the show notes the time when this finishes. So then, because I don't know until we've recorded it, but I'll pop it and then you can just have a quick look now, press pause, have a quick look and skip forward to that time. Thanks, Andrew. Okay, so a number of officers attended Logan's home at 5.55 on the morning of the 31st of July, just nine minutes after the initial 999 call was made. And they began their search for the missing five-year-old boy. PC Lauren Keane and colleague Peter Freeth began searching woodland just opposite the property when they spotted the body of a child in the River Ogmore. PC Keane jumped into the river, reaching the boulders at the bank, and immediately identified Logan from the description given by the 999 dispatcher. She said, Logan was laying on his right-hand side in an open fetal position. He was submerged under the water, so I went in. I took three strides to get where he was, picked him up in my arms, and took him up to the bank where Freeth was. I wasn't able to see his face initially until I picked him up. I could see he had an injury to the left side of his face. His eyes were open, his body was stiff, his lips were blue. Immediately, I, I formed the opinion that Logan was deceased. Logan was found just 400 yards away from his home, dressed in a black Spider-Man pyjama top and multicoloured dinosaur pyjama bottoms. Paramedic Mark Howells was immediately on scene to treat Logan, and during trial he commented how his skin was pale and mottled. He was very blue in colour and had a bruise above his left eye probably the length of his eyebrow. He went on to describe Logan as profoundly hypothermic with a body temperature of 20.1 degrees. And for context, normal body temperature is 36.4 degrees. Logan showed no signs of life. He had a, based on the information from his mother and his body temperature, there was an assumption he could have been there for some hours. Logan was immediately taken to the Princess of Wales Hospital in Bridgend, where he had been born only five years earlier. But despite the best efforts of the emergency services, he was pronounced dead at 7.15am. As well as 56 external injuries found on his little body, he had suffered a lacerated liver and severe trauma to the brain. There were further extensive injuries to the abdomen reported, including a tear to the bowel and a degloving injury. Essentially, that's where the top layers of skin or tissue have been torn away from the underlying muscle, tissue or bone. And this was to the duodenum, which is part of the small intestine. The pathologist also found 300 ml of dark liquid blood in the abdominal cavity. Logan had suffered extensive bruising to the scalp and the back of his head, and as previously noted, his brain has suffered significant trauma. There was hemorrhaging to the right-hand side of the head and the inside of the skull. Neurologist Dr. George Lamy said he believed there was evidence of more than one brain injury and possibly more than one episode of trauma. There was no evidence present to suggest Logan had drowned, i.e. there was no water found in his lungs or his airways. Therefore, it was established he had died before entering the river. Pathologist Dr. John Williams went on to confirm there was evidence of healing in some of the injuries, which suggested there was a period of survival up to several hours between the point of injuries were caused and his eventual death. Injuries to the brain were believed to have been caused 36 to 48 hours before the five-year-old died. He said the severity of these injuries may be expected with a fall or collapse. And in the absence of a high-velocity accident, 
the injuries were consistent with a blow or multiple blows, a kick or kicks, or impact or impacts of a weapon. Also found during the autopsy was a fractured collarbone, which doctors had dismissed in earlier months, where parts of the bone had not quite knitted together due to poor recovery and aftercare. The cause of Logan's death was given as blunt force abdominal injury and cerebral injury, including brain swelling, hypoxic ischemic neuronal injury and traumatic brain injury. I don't know what to say, Rachel. Whatever you're thinking or whatever our listeners thinking, I promise you I'm probably thinking the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether you noticed. I just tried to get through that as quick as possible. Yes. Yes, indeed, Rachel, indeed. Angered Williamson, John Cole and Craig Mulligan were all arrested the same day and later charged with the murder of Logan Mwangi on Sunday the 1st of August 2021. On the 21st of February 22, a nine-week trial began with jurors hearing harrowing details of how Logan was kept like a prisoner in the days before his death after testing positive for COVID-19. He had been confined to his tiny bedroom behind a locked child gate at the home and when he would try and leave the room to interact with his family, Williamson and Cole would repeatedly punish him even in the knowledge that the poor little boy would eventually self-harm by biting his lip or scratching his arms until he bled. I mean, in his head, every time blood appeared and he had injuries, he'd be sent and shipped to the doctor, right, in the hospital, and he'd be going to see a medical professional. So his thought process behind that was clearly, you know, if I'm bleeding, someone will pay attention. And give me some, some care. He was made to face the wall whenever anyone came into the room and he had been left with minimal human contact and food for the 10-day isolation period. Damning evidence of a cleanup came to trial, came to light during trial when police confirmed that whilst they were at the home, the sound of a tumble drag could be heard in the early hours, which is, you know, strange. It's 5.55 when they attend the house, you know, by all accounts at the point that Anger had woken up, she's discovered her son's missing. Why would you then go on and put like, why would a wash have been running overnight and then the tumble dryer cycle been exactly. started? Uh, once the cycle had finished, they checked the contents, which included Logan's bed linen. This had been laundered to remove his blood and other incriminating evidence, along with a number of other items. But the biggest win for the prosecution came from CCTV camera footage from a property in a nearby street which overlooked the family home. The footage clearly showed Cole and Mulligan, illuminated by a security light, leaving the family home at 2.43am in the early hours of the 31st of July. Cole appeared to be carrying an object which looked like a light cross on his back. This was later identified as the arms of Logan's lifeless body. They were seen walking in the direction of Pandy Park, following the path along the river, before they dumped poor Logan's body, like fly-tipping rubbish, in a spot near a sewage pipe and a railway bridge. During the trial, it had come to light that Logan didn't know how to swim, nor did he like the water. So leaving his body here was the final horrible act towards a poor, helpless five-year-old. After Cole and Mulligan had left the property, the lights in Logan's bedroom could be seen being switched on and off until 3.31am, which must have been by Williamson. At 2.44am, the curtain in Logan's room was partially opened by Williamson, causing light from the inside of the flat to shine brightly onto the street and therefore be clearly seen on the CCTV footage. Cole and Mulligan returned to the address at 2.51 and was seen leaving again at 3.16am towards the direction of the river, at which point they disposed of Logan's ripped dinosaur pyjama top in the woodland. If you recall, when I originally said he was discovered, he was wearing like mismatched pyjama top. Yeah, Spider-Man one, yeah. Yeah, so Cole had disposed of the original top, but left his his bottoms on. 
she, had... sa- she said in this sorry she said in the 999 call he was wearing a spider-man top as well mm. yeah the pair had returned back to the home at 3 27 a.m Williamson, who had previously denied any knowledge or involvement in the acts in her police interviews that were carried out by Colin Mulligan, was finally in the spotlight alongside them. There was no denying it. Throughout her police interviews, she denied any involvement in the attacks. She'd actually been on YouTube watching videos of Dr. Pimple Popper, uh, which is a whole other conversation for a whole other day. And um, and yes, yeah, so she'd been like, even though obviously phone records had showed otherwise, she'd claimed that she'd gone to bed uh, late on the 30th of July and had not w- awoken until um, the, the like the 540-ish mark on July 31st to discover that, that Logan was missing. Um, but obviously the activity in the house whilst Cole and Mulligan were seen leaving and not returning was that she was clearly awake, cleaning the room, and involved in the whole horrible ordeal. Getting rid of evidence, yeah. Yeah, and she was finally in the spotlight alongside Cole and Mulligan for the crime. Good. The trial concluded on the 21st of April, 2022, and all three defendants were found guilty of Logan's murder. On the 30th of June, Mrs Justice Jefford, DBE, sentenced John Cole to life imprisonment with a minimum term of 29 years. Angered Williamson was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum term of 28 years. And Craig Mulligan was sentenced to life detention in a Young Offenders Institute with a minimum of 15 years. Judge Jefford lifted a reporting restriction which provided anonymity to Mulligan on the grounds of his age and his identity could be reported for the first time. In her sentencing remarks, she said, To see these injuries on a small, defenceless five-year-old is nothing short of horrifying. What happened to Logan must have involved appalling mental and physical suffering. It's impossible to imagine the terror of a five-year-old child as these injuries were inflicted on him in the presence of his own mother. Speaking after sentencing, Senior Investigating Officer D.I. Leanne Rees of the South Wales Police Major Crime Investigations Team said, Today's sentences are a reflection of the appalling crimes committed back in July last year. It is incomprehensible that Logan had his life cut short in such a tragic circumstance at the hands of those very people that should have been there to protect him. And for Logan's father, Ben, who stands beside me, today's sentences are welcome news. However, no amount of justice can bring back Logan or compensate for the grief that continues to be felt. Ben and his family have demonstrated incredible strength throughout the investigation and legal process. What they have been through is hard to comprehend. They have endured everything with tremendous courage and dignity at this most difficult time. The impact Logan's death has had and continues to have on all those who loved and knew him within the local community is immeasurable. Knowing that justice has been done for Logan, I hope they can now begin to rebuild their lives and celebrate the joy that he gave them during the precious time they had with him. Once again, I'd like to pay tribute to the professionalism displayed by police officers and emergency service colleagues who were faced with the most traumatic scenes imaginable back in July of last year. I'd also like to thank my team of detectives and staff who've worked tirelessly on this investigation, together with the Crown Prosecution Service and Prosecution Council. The efforts of all involved have contributed to today's outcome. And I must say... There's a number of like footage on YouTube uh, with police officers chatting to both Cole and Williamson and Mulligan during, um, you know, the hours following that 999 call. And they knew like it it amazes me about police. You, You had like Williamson. She had these seizures. Obviously, she's been diagnosed with epilepsy from a young age. She had these seizures whilst um, whilst the police were at the house. But 
they knew something was off. They knew she was acting up. That 999 call, it was overly erratic. Like even the dispatcher, like obviously at the time was very concerned for the, for the welfare of the mother, but they're, they're so used to speaking and hearing um, people in actual real distress that, um, you know, after they replayed the recordings, they could spot it a mile off. And it's amazing the work that police do. And I know that social services really let poor Logan down in this instance, but how quickly police made up for that and, and had them in custody and had all the facts and figures together so quickly and then had them on trial like months later is is really something to applaud. Yeah, I mean, I listen to that. I stay away from these type of cases. I don't really know anything about them. I half recognise Logan's name. But when I listened to the 999 call to begin with, it shows you they are talented because I thought that sounded genuine to me. I thought it was a genuine mother in distress. But um, And it's very so, unusual for me to add clips, isn't it, to my episodes? Yes. Um, but I, I felt like that was really justified. I, and as for these people, it's, it beggars belief. I really don't like cases like this. But, but yeah, I mean, hopefully, I mean... 29 years, 28 years. We've seen people get longer sentences for worse, for less, sorry. We've covered cases where they still been murdered, but it's not been as brutal or as been as horrific, and they've got longer sentences, so the scope was there for longer. But I missed it because it was hard to concentrate, Rachel, but did they be guilty or not guilty? They all pled not guilty, and I didn't actually say that. I'm sorry, yeah. No, they all, they all, so, so originally they all pled not guilty, um, but um, eventually, like, obviously with the mounting evidence that came up against them, um, they, they ended up turning on each other and, and blamed one another for, for the, like, the involvement in, in the parts of, of the, the torture and the, and the ultimate death. And what saddens me, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of pleased that they pled not guilty because it meant they would have got a longer sentence, they'd have got even shorter then. If it had pled guilty, so I'm glad that arrogance made them plead not guilty. Like when the police woman, the police lady, I forget her name, sorry, read out the um statement at the end after the conviction. The Allianz. Yeah, when yeah, when she said that the community can remember Logan and what he was like. I mean, I fear that was just nice words, wasn't it? Because this boy sounds like he had no interaction and he had no fun. And he had no chance of people being able to see well, his personality and what he was like. I'm actually going to um, stop you there because um, contrary to that, um, the local primary school has um, a memorial garden for Logan. Oh, yeah, no, that's good. But I just mean like an abused child doesn't normally have the chance to interact with lots of the community and stuff, do they? Mm-hmm. His teachers and and neighbors, people that saw him playing, like obviously pre COVID times, um, had had a great amount of interaction with him. I agree with you. Yes, he he would have led a very lonely and isolated life in in the home, but when he was at school, and it, it unfortunately towards the end, it was rare that he was at school because again, you know, she'd say that he was poorly and all these horrible lies. Um, but they they cared for him greatly, and um. She'd sent a note in one day. I'd, I'd read this. Oh, it was awful. Um, she'd sent a note in one Monday saying that um, they couldn't afford snack for Logan at snack time. So a note came back on the Monday evening saying, that's fine. The school will make provisions for Logan so that he has 
a suitable amount of food similar to the other children. And by the Wednesday, a note went back saying, I do not want my child having any extra provisions. There you go, Rachel. I don't know what else to say over than I. So have after the convictions, Rachel, have they any of them admitted their guilt? Yeah, I've not uh, I've not not done too much exploration to that, but it, it's an interesting one, one that I'll um, I might look a bit further into and, and come back to you on. I must say it's really strange to be ending this case and the murder of a young boy and not to hear from a grieving mother. Like that for me was quite poignant. Um the fact that his mother was the one that essentially had a hand in taking his life away but it's just really an appalling case that goes to show how sick and horrific human beings really can be exactly and i i don't understand how you can be i have such horrible like feelings towards the world just because their their skin is a different shade to yours it makes no sense does it whatsoever i mean a child doubly but even anyone but then to poison the birth mother's mind was that it can't have taken much to poison a mind, could it? This has been season three, episode nine, entitled Lost Little Boy. So, Andrew, I don't think I need to ask you what you thought of that case, do I? I hated that case, Rachel. I hated the case. Not You told it well, but I hated the case because I don't like cases of child abuse. and no. I try and stay away from them when I can. And I, I actually think it's too sad to sign off the episode as we usually would. So I hope you don't mind. But today we're not going to ask you to picture the scene. I'd just much rather tell you to hug your loved ones extra tight tonight. Yes, indeed. Okay, everyone, until next week, we shall wish you all the best. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. Bye. (laughs) 